Hey everyone, this is Matt with continuing our Unshakable series. In the last pod, we started our new series about what to do when your world has been shaken up. And the first thing you got to do is don't be surprised. You got to expect that there's going to be problems and difficulties in life. So if you missed last pod, go listen to that one and then come back and check this one out. Okay, so we should expect adversity in life, but what can we do about it? Well, we're not going to be surprised. And two, Look for ways that God might use it for good. That God wants to use everything, even the bad things in your life. He wants to bring out good out of even those. And if you want to succeed and thrive rather than just survive in a hostile world, you need to look for ways that God takes the things that shake you up and can use them for good. Jeremiah 29, 10 and 11 says, This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to you to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. I'm going to give you a peek at where we're going in this series. In Daniel's life, God did five things with the problems that he had to face. And they are the same five things that God wants to do in your life, regardless of what kinds of problems you're going through, because God can use everything for good. So here are the five things. Number one, sometimes God shakes things up in my life to inspect me. And what I mean by that is that God will bring a problem into my life that reveals a motivation that's kind of out of whack or a character or a thought or an emotion or a motive that needs to be corrected. Because people, someone said this, people are like tea bags. You don't know what's really in them until you drop them in hot water. And God will use problems to inspect you and show you what's wrong. Of course, God already knows what's going on, but you don't. (laughs) He doesn't need you to tell him problems. He knows you better than you know yourself. When God allows a problem in your life, it's because he wants you to know what's out of whack. Because nothing surprises God. Remember in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve sinned. And the Bible says one day God came walking through the garden, metaphorically, and says, Adam, where are you? Now, let me in, let me let you in on a little secret. Anytime God asks a question, he already knows the answer. Yep. It's not like God didn't know where Adam was. He knew exactly where Adam was every second of his life. He wanted Adam to know where Adam was. And Adam goes, God, I was afraid and I felt guilty and I hid. And we've been afraid and guilty and hiding from God ever since. So when God asks you a question, it's never for his benefit. He already knows the answer. He's asking because he wants you to know. Jeremiah 17, 10 says, The Lord searched the heart and examined the mind to reward each person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. Why is always more important than what? In life, what you do is not nearly as important to God as why you do it. Right now, for me, life is super busy. We have three kids. They're always on the move. They have multiple activities. But I wanted to step up and try to drive my kids more than my wife does. Um, Why? Was it to release the burden on my wife? Not really. She doesn't think it's a burden. She loves doing it. The reason why I wanted to do it is to give my wife some free time to relax and enjoy her life, not just to always be at the kid's beck and call. 
And the reason ultimately was to show her I love her. I do chores like cleaning around the house, not because it needs to be done. No, I'm not that picky. And I'm not neat and orderly as I probably should be. I clean to show my wife I love her because she likes it clean. I wash dishes not to get them out of the sink. I only do that when there's no dishes. But rather because I know Jeanette likes an empty sink. And I'm trying to teach my kids, don't just clean your room because I forced them or mom forced them, but because it's the right thing to do to show that you love us. I never learned this as a kid. It's a foreign concept to me. You see, God cares more about our motivation behind what we do than what we actually do. See, God inspects us because he's much more interested in your integrity than in your image. Image is what everyone can see. Integrity is what you are in the dark. See, God is testing you. What matters in your spiritual maturity is not how high you jump when you feel God in a worship concert. The test is how straight you walk when you don't feel God during the rest of the week and you have no emotion. You feel like you're in the desert, a dry period, the wilderness. Will you trust God? Will you obey him during that time? What God is saying is that problems that come into your life, they're a measuring tool. Your reactions to difficulty actually measure your faith in a bunch of stuff. They measure your commitment, it measures your maturity, and they measure your integrity. The Bible often compares problems to a refining fire. You know how they get the impurities out of, by putting it, by heating it up. The more you heat it up, the impurities rise to the top and gets rid of it. God's testing you. Well, what's he testing? God is seeing if you really believe what you claim to believe. You say God is first in your life, but when the heat's on, is he sidelined? When it's inconvenient and unpopular, do you just not bring it up? Bring him up? You say I have integrity, but are you willing to lower your standards because you want to be popular and approved by people at work or school? You say I'm totally committed to God, but the pressure's on you. Do you give up and walk away? Here's the question to ask. What does this problem that I'm dealing with right now reveal about me? If you ask and answer that, it can have a dramatic effect on your life. Second, sometimes God shakes things up on your life, not just to inspect you, but maybe it's to correct you. This is exactly what happened to Israel 2,500 years ago. You know, we've said last pod that they've fallen into deep idolatry and God says, okay, I'm going to cure you of your addiction. We're going to get rid of that. I'm going to allow you to be hauled off to a foreign country for 70 years a quarter of the nation. And when they come back 70 years later, they were cured. Israel never again reverts to idolatry. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 8 through 11 says, if you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we've all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while, while as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Did you benefit from correction growing up? Of course you did. It's how you learned to walk, to talk, eat, bathe, read, write, and everything else. You learned because somebody cared enough to correct you. A parent that doesn't correct their children doesn't love them. If they don't correct them, they don't care about them. Correction is proof that you're part of God's plan. How many of you have been parents would rather not have corrected your children? I can say it. I hate correcting my kids. 
it's not fun when you discipline them. It's not fun for the parents, and it's definitely not fun for the kids. I just didn't realize how important my parents were correcting me in my life till I didn't have them anymore for three formative teenage years. Joe 5.17 says, consider yourself fortunate when God all-powerful chooses to correct you. He says it's a privilege. It's an honor to be corrected by God because it just means he loves you. Parents who don't correct their kids don't love them. C.S. Lewis said, God whispers to us in our pleasure, but he shouts to us in our pain. We only change. The only time we change is when the fear of change is exceeded by pain. Let me repeat that. The only time we change is when our fear of change is actually exceeded by pain because nobody wants to change. But when the pain gets bad enough, then you change. I don't actually know why, but sometimes God has to lay us flat on our back before we look up to him. And God wants us to teach you about himself and he wants to teach you about yourself and some lessons you're only going to learn through failure. Don't touch the stove. You don't touch it a second time because you got burned and it hurt. You don't learn the value of money until you lost it. You don't learn the value of friendship until you lost it. You don't learn the value of health until you lost it. So sometimes God allows pains and problems and shakeups to inspect us, what's really inside of you, or to correct us. So here's the question. What is the problem teaching me? Instead of asking why, ask what. Don't ask why when you're going through problems. It's, it's pointless. Ask what? What should I be learning? Not why is it happening? Because God uses problems to correct you. Sometimes God uses problems to shake things up to inspect you. Sometimes God shakes things up in my life to correct you. And third, sometimes God shakes things up to direct me. Proverbs 16.9 says, In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. Here's a question. How does God direct your step? Real simple problems. That's how he directs your steps. Have you noticed that your problems often change your plans? Has that ever happened to you? I still remember my first church appointment. I was just graduating seminary and a friend of mine was a pastor of a church at the, at the beach. And we talked about it. He wanted to hire me and I wanted to work there as an intern. And I thought it was great. And uh, I went down there. I stayed at his house. We went for the interview and he was like, this is just a formality or I was about to go in and I never went in and they were talking and all of a sudden someone brought up the fact of uh, the internship and how they didn't need it. And everyone agreed. And then before the pastor realized what was completely going on, they had already discounted or gotten rid of the internship, which was my job. And he realized it and he Right at the end, he said, I could have stopped it, Matt, but I felt like God was leading and I didn't want to get in the way of what God was doing. And the very next item on the agenda was to approve me being hired. And the guy who was leading the meeting uh, said, okay, now onto the next agenda. Everyone approve uh, Matt being hired and everybody raised their hands. And, and the pastor had to say, wait a second, you just got rid of his position. You can't hire him. And they're like, but we want to hire him. And, uh, he said, it was amazing because everybody wanted to hire you, but it seems that God had other plans. So he says, God's directing this. It's not us. And so they didn't hire me. And he called me and because I was about to go into the meeting. I was, I was at his house. I was going to drive over. And he says, no, 
it's not going to happen. He explained to me what happened. I couldn't believe it. And I was really upset. And I drove home and I made it back from an hour and 40 minute drive to the beach. I think I made it back in an hour. I was driving really fast. I was really upset. I was like, God, what are you doing? What are you doing? Messing up. We had this plan perfectly. That week I got a call from another pastor saying, hey, we want to talk to you about a position in our church. And it turns out that the very next day that that pastor called the guy whose church turned me down and said, hey, you know anybody that would fit this? And he said, yeah, what? Oh, and, you know, he gave him my name. And lo and behold, it worked out perfectly. And it just shows you that just because I wanted to be at the beach with my friend and work together with him, it wasn't meant to be. And uh, I was kind of upset at the time because, man, I mean, living at the beach, we we're going to have a boat. I mean, man, that sounds good to me, but it just didn't work out. And I ended up in a better situation. God uses problems to direct you. Proverbs 20, 30, blows and wounds scrub away evil and beatings purge the inmost being. Sometimes it takes a painful experience to make us change our ways. Aristotle said we can't worm without pain. We rarely think about the direction of our lives when things are going good. When your life is going great, you got it on cruise. And God gets our attention many times by giving us a flat tire or a change in direction. What is the problem in your life that you're pretending isn't a problem? What's the big elephant in your life, in your marriage, in your relationship that you say, it's not a problem? I know we got that there, but we've had it in the relationship all this time. It's still a problem. And God will use difficulty to correct you, to inspect you, and redirect you if he needs to. We would rarely change unless we had problems. We postpone difficult decisions. We put it off. And if you've had a disease that didn't hurt you, you'd never go to the doctor about it. You just let it take over your life until you die. Pain gets your attention. We'd ignore illnesses if they didn't hurt. So God uses pain and problems to prod us, to poke us, to push us to prompt us, to direct us to a solution. So you got to ask the question, when the, when the problems are hitting you, where is this problem leading me? Number four, sometimes God shakes things up in our life to protect us. Did you know that sometimes pains protects you from something worse? That you're going through a problem because it's actually preventing you from a bigger problem? I knew a guy, he was asked to do something in a corporation, something very unethical. And he said, sorry, I can't do it. And they pushed him and pushed him. And he finally said, look, I'm a Christian. I don't do that. I'm a follower of Jesus. I can't be unethical here. They fired him on the spot. He lost his pension. He lost his job. It looked bad. But about a month later, the FCC hauled the entire corporation into court. And they ended up in jail because of these things that they were doing. And he looks at that and he goes, woo-wee. Thank you, God. The problem was getting fired. The bigger problem was going to jail, which is the worst problem. Which would you rather have? He did the right thing, and he got fired. He lost his job, but it was the best thing in his life. Maybe getting fired might be the best thing to happen to you because it keeps you from another problem. Remember the story of Joseph in the Bible? One of my favorite epic Old Testament stories is in Genesis. He had the vision that one day he'd be a great leader. And literally for the first 40 years of his life, everything went wrong. He was betrayed 
by his brothers, sold into slavery, taken down to Egypt. And he gets a job as a slave in a boss's home. And the wife of the boss is attracted to him. She comes on to him and offers herself. And he refuses. He says, I'm not going to have an affair with my boss's wife. So she feels spurned. She accuses him of rape. He's put into prison for the rest of his life for a crime he never committed. Everything's gone wrong in his life. But it's exactly where God wanted him to be. In a series of circumstances, he met people in prison that he was able to change his entire second half of his life. He's completely different. And he finally ends up in second in command of the entire country, helping Pharaoh save the most powerful nation of that time. And even his own family when they came. You don't know. Sometimes God is protecting you with a problem in your life. Genesis 50, verse 20, he says this to his brothers who finally came to get food. He said, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. See, God is bigger than the people who put you down. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. Sometimes God shakes things up to protect you, kind of like a fever. When you get a fever and you feel really bad, the fever is not the problem. The fever is just a symptom. The fever is telling you that there's something worse going on in your body. And if you didn't have the fever, you wouldn't get the help that you need. The fever warns you of an infection that needs to be dealt with. Sometimes a small pain can alert you to a life-threatening disease. This is true with your emotions too. Sometimes you're feeling really bad. You're down, you're depressed, and you're discouraged. You've got all these bad negative feelings and you're praying, God, take away those feelings. But he doesn't take them away. Why won't you take them away, God? Because the feelings maybe aren't the problem. The problem is what you're thinking about, what is causing those feelings. Sometimes we've got to stop believing the lies, the lies about yourself, the lies about other people. And God's not going to take away those feelings because it's the thoughts that need to change, not the feelings. Sometimes we need a checkup from the neck up. you got to get your thoughts right. I read uh, online about, years ago I read this, about shepherds in the Middle East will sometimes intentionally break the leg of a healthy sheep. Why? Because the sheep will wander. And when it wanders off, it'll get eaten by wolves and bears or whatever other predators. That They'll break the leg of the sheep and the sheep walks with a limp for the rest of his life. And it doesn't wander off. And if God has to break your leg to keep you from wandering off and getting into a worse problem, he will. He loves you that much. See, it's no fun to hurt somebody you love. But just like a surgeon will cut you to heal you, and God will break you to save you if that's what it takes. And sometimes God has to do that. Those things that you think are disappointments, sometimes disappointments are his appointments. God has appointed them, and there's a reason behind it for your own good. And sometimes God removes a harmful person in your life. Maybe you love them. Maybe you really care for you, and it breaks your heart. Don't run after them. Oh, how I wish my kids would learn that before they grow up. It happened to me. Oh, what pain I would be in if he didn't do this. Or what she did this. But at the time, it was unbearable. But once they were removed, years later, you go, wow, it's a good thing. Five, God uses things and problems to perfect me to make you more like Christ, to grow your character, to grow you up. Pain is the high cost of growth. And if you want to grow up, if you want to be mature, there's no way to do it without pain. 
Pain is the cost of growing up. Everything that is good is painful. Quitting smoking, drugs, getting healthy, learning life lessons. It's all painful. I was watching a, a car, Beecham Auto Auction, and I saw a 68 Nova, and it reminded me of my first car that my dad bought for me for 50 bucks. It costs $2,000 to insure, by the way, which I always find it humorous to this day. Two, 50 bucks to buy, 2000 for the insurance company to insure. I learned the value of a car, of working on a car, because it never worked. I literally had to stick a screwdriver in the alternator just so I could get it to start. I learned the value of a car, of choosing the right one, not taking it for granted. And since then, I've only had four cars in my life. My first car was $50. My next car I bought was a Mazda MX-6, which I gave to somebody, and they never learned the lesson and ruined a perfectly good car in one year. Then I bought my first new car, which lasted till about three years ago. And then my wife got another car. I learned the value of a car because of all the problems associated with the first one. First Peter 5.10 says, In the God of grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you, having suffered a little, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. See, God isn't interested in making your life easy on this earth. He's interested in growing your character. The question is, how can you grow from this problem? Your problems are not your problems. Your real problems are how you choose to respond to your problems. And if you respond to them in a way where you trust God and you praise God, you thank God, you maintain your integrity and you don't give up and you don't give in and you do those things, we'll see Daniel do in 70 years of his life. He's just going to get promoted and promoted and promoted into eternity because he can grow from any problem. My problems become real problems when I lose my perspective, when I lose the important values. I say, just forget it. I give up. Our problem becomes a real problem when you lose your sense of humor, when you start feeling sorry for yourself and have a pity problem. Your problem becomes a real problem when you get bitter and you start blaming everybody else for your unhappiness. Now it's a problem. That's the real problem. So expect adversity. Look for ways that God can use it for good. And third, trust him for what you do not understand. And There's a lot of life that we do not understand. When there's a problem in your life, you know, this doesn't make sense. I don't get it. I don't see the perfection. I don't see the inspection. I don't see the correction. I don't see the protection. It doesn't make sense. Then you know what you got to do? Just trust God. Trust him for what you don't understand. That he is your best interest at heart. That you're going to make it through this. Imagine the disciples and Jesus' parents. When Jesus died on the cross for our sins, they had no idea what was happening. They had no idea that Jesus had to do this so that we can call upon him and ask him for forgiveness and restore our relationship with God because he was paying the penalty for our sins on the cross. No one understood it, even though he told it to them. But if they simply trusted God when things didn't make any sense, they'd be able to make it through pretty easy. But we know that the disciples didn't do that. They had a really rough three days because they didn't listen to what Jesus told them. And they didn't trust God for what they didn't understand. They were miserable. They lived in fear. It was terrible. But fortunately for them, it was only for a few short days. Then it wasn't a problem, but the greatest event ever in their history. 
So expect adversity. God can use anything that we go through for our good. And when it life is out of control, trust God when you don't understand. When life is painful and doesn't make any sense, you can make it through any problem. Well, I hope that encourages you this week and see you in the next pod.